Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Today we are going to look at the life of Sarah, whose faith was not perfect as she first laughed in unbelief, but then laughed in faith as she saw God as faithful and received strength to conceive a child. Here is part three of Cheryl's message titled, Activating Faith. We were already renting two parking lots. And they said, you have to do something about it. It's too crowded. It's too crowded. And we're like, okay. So we went to three services. Three services. And of course, first service was about three quarters of the way full, but the other two were absolutely full. My aunt saw it. She saw it. She never experienced it because she died that February. But she saw it, she embraced it, and she confessed it. This is the reality. This is what God will do. Died in faith. Died in faith. I can tell you one more story before we move on. When we were on the first trip to Israel for us in Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, Everyone was being baptized in the Jordan. You have to wear white robes. The Jordan River baptismal site is really special to me because it was Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa that gave the money to Israel to build that. My dad got a private audience with um, the prime minister of Israel years ago, Begin. And, you know, Begin is saying, you know, thank you for your support of Israel. Don't ask me what accent is. That's my imitation. That's as good as it's going to get. And he said, what could Israel do for you? You know, Chuck and Calvary Chapel. And my dad said, well, you know, I saw this plot of ground. Nothing's on it. Right by the Jordan River. It's not too far from the Galilee. I think we could make it a baptismal site. I want you to make a baptism site for any Christian group that comes over, that they could be baptized there in the Jordan River. And he said, not only do I, I, I want you to do this, we as Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa will underwrite and pay for it. And I only have one stipulation. And, and Bacon said, all right. He said, I don't want my name on it because this is for the kingdom of God and all of God's people. I don't want any dedication to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, but this is dedicated to the kingdom of God and his son, the Messiah, and for any who believe in the Messiah to come and be baptized. And Bacon said, all right. Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa gave that money. The baptismal site is there. The only thing you can find of my father there is a poster with him baptizing. In a tree. 
that has a little plaque to him. But there's other trees with plaques, but that's my daddy. And I remember, because it was the first time I had seen this baptismal site done, going to Israel and seeing it and almost collapsing on my knees. Anyway, that's nothing to do with the real story I want to tell. The story I wanted to tell is there we are. And I realized all these people on our trip are getting baptized and we don't have a photographer taking their pictures. So I took out my little phone and I started taking pictures. And it was a couple that was getting baptized and I somehow hyper-focused on this couple. Don't ask me why. And so we get on the bus and she's sitting behind me and she said, oh no, I didn't get one picture of our baptism. And I said, I don't want you to think I'm a stalker. But I, I took some pictures of you baptized, being baptized with my phone. She's like, you what? No stalker. I just took pictures of you being baptized. And she said, how many? And I said, well, you were the first one I started taking pictures of. So somewhere under 30 and over 20. She started crying. I gave her my phone and she started downloading all my pictures on her phone. She said, you don't understand how important this is to me. My husband comes from a Christian family. I was an ardent atheist. She's a, a professional. She's highly educated. She's got a doctorate. And she said, I told that woman, I'm going to marry your son and I'm going to make him an atheist. And she said, I was so mean to my future mother-in-law. And she said, I wasn't the daughter-in-law any mother would want for her son. She said, but this one day I, I, you know, I walked in and I was just kind of like, I've got him, you don't, to the mother. And she said, my mother-in-law was smiling at me, said, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, you are God's will for my son. And she said, I looked at her and I said, how can that be? She said, God gave me a vision of you and my son being baptized. You are going to walk with Jesus Christ and be a blessing to my son. And I'm so excited to embrace you as my daughter-in-law. She said, that woman loved me. As obnoxious as I was, she only loved me. She said, I received Jesus after my mother-in-law died. And I never saw myself coming to Israel. But she said, as I was in line and about to be baptized, I thought my mother-in-law was right. This is what she saw. This is the vision that Jesus Christ gave her. And I said, and I was the photographer. This is what happened with Abraham. It wasn't his experience, but he saw it and he aligned his life. This mother-in-law aligned her life, her attitude towards this young girl, according to the promise of God. And she lived in the joy, in the joy of that baptism. Abraham aligned his life with a better place, a heavenly place. So he never, ever returned, never returned to Haran or Ur. There he could have had a house. There he would have had familiar circumstances. And then we're told, because Abraham lived like that, 
because this was his testimony. In verse 16, because he desired it better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God said, because you've done that, I will associate with you. Isn't that incredible? God associates. God wants others to know he loves us. We are his beloved. God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were his own. And you could throw them into a fire and God would walk with them and make sure that all that happened was that their captors were burned up. Their bindings were burned off. But these men were untouched by the fire and became the men upon whom the fire had no power. God associated in the fire with these young men. God is willing to associate with us when we choose to walk by faith. This is how he associates with us. Moving to verse 11, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Can you imagine at 90 years old becoming pregnant, having never before conceived after being barren for 89 years, well after menopause, well after hot flashes, aged, she received strength not only to conceive, but to be pregnant. Pregnancy is hard. You have to be careful that you don't lose that child. Birth is traumatic. I remember you know, taking those birth classes, having my first child, and you're know, feeling the need to push. And Brian's saying, this is the fun part. He almost died. Had I not been pregnant, distracted, he would have died. She conceived strength, not only to conceive, but to birth and then to nurse, nurse and care for a baby and a toddler. I'm 58 years old and I have I love, 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 love my grandkids. I had a sleepover with three of them. And at two o'clock in the morning, they're like, Grandma, Grandma. And I said, yes. They said, is it time to wake up? I said, no. And they said, then why are you awake? <laughs> How was Sarah able to conceive, to give birth? Because she was fully assured. God's promise, God's word is true. She embraced it. At one point, Abraham tried to make the promise of God about Hagar. God comes back to him in Genesis chapter 17 and says, no, it's not about Hagar. It's about Sarah. Sarah, when Sarah heard it was about Sarah, because she was making it about Hagar, she laughed. Like, ha, ha, ha. It was incredulous. Like, right, sure. And I love that God said, and you'll name him Laughter. And you'll always be reminded of your incredulity, 
of your skepticism and God's faithfulness and fidelity. She aligned her life with what God said and she was strengthened. That's how powerfully God's word works in us if we will believe it and be assured of it, embrace it, make it our own, and confess it, aligning our lives with it. Because she believed, embraced, and confessed, Abraham, who is only one man, became the father of thousands and hundreds of thousands, more descendants than stars in the sky, more than grains of sand. Now we move on to Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith. By faith, Isaac spoke God's word over Jacob and Esau because he was assured of the promises. He was so sure that he gave these promises to his sons. Jacob embraced those. Jacob aligned his life with it. Esau didn't, but he spoke it over both his sons. Jacob sought to bring his grandsons, the sons of Joseph, into the promises of God. That's how assured he was. Now remember, at this point, Joseph's the prime minister of Egypt. There's a huge inheritance that will be passed down to Joseph's sons if they embrace Egypt. But Jacob says, no, the inheritance that I have for them is greater The promises of God are a greater inheritance, more sure, more lasting than anything Egypt can give to these two boys. The promises of God. Joseph made plans for his bones based on his assurance that God would indeed give to his descendants and his brother's descendants, the land of Canaan, that it would become the land of Israel. So he made plans. Plans, not for his, not for his body, not like when I'm old, take me back there, but for his bones, knowing that it was sure, but it wouldn't happen in his lifetime. Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph were fully assured that God's promises were true. And they embraced these promises, treasured these promises, held these promises, personalized these promises. They confessed these promises, aligning their life with the veracity of God's word and promises. And by doing this, they blessed their children. I love children's books. I'll just confess that children's books are my favorite books. I was a kindergarten teacher. And so there's certain books that I just get really excited about. The Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar. Love that book. Uh, Love Anything by E.B. White. 
there are just certain authors that I, I just love. But I also love children's history books because it's easier for me to understand and it has pictures. And I love picture books. I just love uh, when a picture comes together with the words. And years ago, I bought a book called um, Daughters of the Revolution. And it's all about the heroines of the American Revolution, all about outstanding women who helped bring about the emancipation of the United States from Britain. And in that book, in the introduction to that book, it says that these women melted down their pots and pans to make bullets for the war effort, that they took their sheets and their finest garments, having no way to replace those because they come over from England. Without replacements, they took their undergarments and they took their sheets, and they began to rip them up to make bandages for the soldiers. They took their last bit of food and they set up these, these like little kiosks along the side of the road where they knew the revolutionary soldiers were coming. And they passed out food and they dressed their wounds and they gave them ammunition. And it said this, these women never thought that they would ever experience freedom for themselves. But they believed that they were winning it for their children and their children's children. So they sacrificed all that their children and their grandchildren might live with freedom. Isaac and Jacob and Joseph were willing to sacrifice that their descendants might be assured of the promises of God, might personalize the promises of God, might experience the promises of God. You know, we are a very self-centered generation very concerned about our comforts, very concerned about our earthly security. And we are putting burdens on this next generation, tax burdens, higher prices, so that we can continue to live in comfort. Not so with the patriarchs. They were all about what they were leaving to the next generation. They were all about blessing, enriching, investing in the next generation by faith, by faith. They aligned their lifestyle with the veracity of God's word. We can do that as we are assured of the promises of God, as we personalize, God will take care of me. God will lead me. God will direct me. God will provide for me, but he will provide for my children. So we bless, we listen to those that are younger than us. It's so funny because I'm writing this, you know, I'm going over my notes in the office and my um, phone starts beeping with a text 
And my daughter is sending me a devotional. And she's sending it to me and her younger brother, who is the oldest son, my oldest son. And then they're commenting on it. And and so I have to stop and I have to read it. And I'm thinking, Lord, my children are walking in truth and they have become my mentors. They have become my inspiration. Lord, I want to bless them back. I want to bless them back. But instead, I asked for that book for my birthday. Listen, invest, tell this next generation that you believe in them, that you are for them. They are going to have to face things that are harder than anything we've ever faced. I I was talking to three young pastor's wives, and I mean early 30s to late 20s, and oh my goodness, they're strong enough for it. God has already given them the strength, and I think that they in many ways are wiser than we are in the way they're handling the world and the pressures of this world. Amazing. I just was like, I am so proud of you. That is amazing. That is so wise. That is God. Your flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my father who is in heaven has shown you these things. Invest and believe. In so doing, when we are assured of, when we embrace, personalize the promises, when we walk it out in our lives, the attitude of faith, because God is going to do everything he said he's going to do. When we do this, faith is activated in us. And we, by faith, have the right attitude, sojourners. We have all the strength we need to bring forth the promises of God in our life. And we bless the generation to come. Bible heroes that we read about through the whole word of God were people that made God's word their own. God's word was not just for other people or for you or for the woman at church who's got a problem, but this is God's word to me, for me, and about me. So one last time, find your assurance in the word of God. Find your identity by personalizing those promises because they are for you. And then align your life in and by the promises of God. Let God's promises, God's word be your reality, your joy, let it, let it so persuade you that you can smile at your enemies knowing that God has a great work to do and will do it. These all died in faith, not experiencing the fullness of the problem, <laughs> promise of experiencing the promise. I'd be the problem and not the promise. But they were so assured, so assured 
that they embraced it, made it their own, and they aligned their life, that confession. And so they have come to us as heroes of the faith, of examples to follow, of the means to activating God's great work in our lives. The Bible is full of men and women who made God's Word their own. The same Word of God is available for us today. It's ours for the taking. May we find our assurance and identity in it. May we align our lives by it. May God's Word be our reality and joy, a powerful witness for all to see. May we learn from these men and women of faith and see their lives as examples of how to follow God and activate our faith so that God can do great things in and through our lives. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at the cost of faith as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.